Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Sometimes when I'm at, I'm at the store, I notice flowers. And I think, huh, Alyssa might like these. And so I buy them. And uh, she's always excited when she gets them. But then after a few days or a few weeks, or not a few weeks, like a week, the flowers die. And Alyssa gets a little sad. She's like, oh, huh. And she loves me just a little bit less, just a little bit less. I, uh, I don't get away with things quite as often. Uh, she gets, you know, a little bit more short-tempered. And whenever I want to get in good with her, though, I make sure I get her a bunch of flowers because then she'll be in a good mood and she'll be happy. <laughs> now, of course, I'm just joking. Um, I mean, Alyssa does like it when I get her flowers. Um, and she'll usually give me a hug or a kiss or something. Uh, but her love for me doesn't change with the flowers. Uh, love exists outside of things like that. Um, bringing home flowers to your, your spouse is an act of love. Um, Giving gifts is a loving action, but gifts are not love. And all gifts, all gifts are temporary. But love, love is forever. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today, the eternal nature of love. Um, and this is the last of our short series called The Most Excellent Way, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, Paul's famous love chapter. Now, <clears throat> I know that Christy memorized 1 Corinthians 13, and I know one other person that tried to, but needed a little bit more work, um, and I have the first half down, okay, but that last half, this last half is killing me. Um, but if any of you have it memorized, see me after service. I have a gift for you. Um, and let's just extend this until Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is a good day to stop the love chapter. And then uh, it gives me a chance to pick out something from our next series um, that maybe we could memorize. Maybe not so long. Yeah, a little bit shorter, like, a, like three verses or something, or um, one really verse, but short. Um, but uh, what we're going to do is get some practice, though, with this. Stand together, um, if you're able, and let's read... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, aloud together. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. <clears throat> Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so today we're going to be looking at the conclusion of this chapter, uh, verses 8 to the end, 8 to 13. And, uh, man, I'm still, I don't know, the chapter moves me. I, I really like this chapter. It's a good chapter. But uh, verse 8 um, begins with a short sentence, love never fails. Love never fails. Uh, that's part of the eternal nature of love. It doesn't fail. It doesn't wear out. And then Paul gives three examples of how love is better than any of the spiritual gifts, as impressive as those gifts may be, right? Where there are prophecies, they will cease. And prophecies are for this age. They show God's desire and God's will for his people. Um, you know, it helps them when people fall away and they're led astray. Prophecies kind of reorient them. But in the coming kingdom, people will not need prophecy because they'll know God's heart and God's will and be with, united with Him in this presence. Now, today, we need prophecy because we lose sight of God. But then, we will be with God and we'll be walking in His presence, so there'll be no need for prophecy. Uh, similarly, uh, where there are tongues, they would be stilled. Uh, the gift of tongues... It talks about actually a lot more in chapter 14, but it's a sign that God desires you to know Him and to praise Him. And in the fullness of kingdom, we won't need that sign because we'll actually have the real experience, right? This is the gift of tongues is a sign that points to something that's coming in the future. And in the future, we'll have the real thing. We'll be experiencing the real thing. And then third, this is, this is the hard one sometimes. Knowledge will pass away. Knowledge will pass away. Our knowledge of God is for this world. It's how to live with each other, how to build our faith in this world with these struggles. The coming world's going to be different. We're going to need a different sort of knowledge then. But love, love lasts. All these gifts point to something bigger and something better. Someday we'll live in that bigger and better. And that's why it's safe, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. We won't need the gifts then because we're going to be different. Our worship's going to be different. Our relationship with God is going to be different. Our relationship with one another is going to be different. And uh, if we don't know what that relationship's going to be like, we can imagine, but it's kind of like a kid imagining what life is like as an adult, 
all right? Um, when I was a kid, I thought being an adult means that I could, you know, watch whatever I wanted to watch and play whatever I wanted to play and eat whatever I wanted to eat. And now that I'm an adult, sure, I could do those things, but um, those aren't that important to me. There's other things that take precedence. That's not where I find my joy and my purpose. As you grow older, you learn how to find joy and purpose in other things, right? I find joy in doing my job well. I find joy in spending time with my family, in uh, sitting with a cup of coffee and doing a crossword puzzle and listening to the news. Sounds awful as a kid, but I find joy there. I find joy in praise and worship and prayer at my kitchen table. See, when we were kids, we didn't know what being an adult, an adult was really like. And the things I loved as a child, I mean, I may still like those things. I, I still like Captain Crunch a lot. Um, it's a treat whenever I buy Captain Crunch. I hide it from my family, and then uh, and, I, and I eat it. It's the truth. I'm not, not even joking there. Um, <laughs> and uh, they always find it. They always find it. And, uh, you know, I like watching cartoons. I like those things. But that's not what's important to me. When the fullness of the kingdom comes, we're going to relate to God in a whole new way, in a whole new way. And the way that we experience our relationship with God and with one another is going to be different. So all the gifts of this world that build up our relationship with God and each other, those gifts don't carry over. But the love that drives those gifts, that remains. Right? Because love is the affection and the connection that binds us together. Knowledge, prophecy, tongues, and all the rest, it has a shelf life. It has an end. But love doesn't. And uh, sometimes I, I do think we do a disservice to one another. Because we emphasize knowledge about God through the study of Scripture, which is good, important. I'm not saying that that's not important. Right? I'm challenging you guys to memorize a whole chapter. That's a lot. And we emphasize faith and hope through our worship, which often touches something inside of us and, and plays with our emotions. But love, too often we don't know how to cultivate love because knowledge fades up, emotions drives, dry up, but love, love can last forever. Um, Alyssa and I have, a, have an inside joke. Uh, when life starts to get wearing on us and we're both involved with our jobs and raising the kids and, and just doing all the things that we have to do, um, sometimes we can just kind of get stuck and focused on these things. And it's not like we really connect. And so when we're not connecting really, and it just doesn't feel like we're on the same page, I mean, we're all polite, we're polite, and we're, you know, we're being good roommates, but we're not really being good spouses. Um, whenever we kind of feel like that, we start calling each other roomie. Hey, roomie. And it's just kind of like a sign, right? Like, huh. Uh, we, we, we need to, to, to focus on some things. Um, there, there, there's some intimacy kind of lacking. And I'm not talking about sex, or maybe I should say I'm not just talking about sex. I mean, sex is a part of it sometimes, but like, it's connection. It's just connection. Being on the same page, feeling like we're working with someone through the ups and downs of life. Sometimes you just need that to happen. 
And when we call each other roomie, it's a way for us to recognize like, huh, we need to pause and do some relationship building. Um, we need to spend some alone time talking about non-kid stuff. Uh, um, not talking about our bills, you know, all those other things that, you know, we would talk about as good roommates. But we just need to hang out and delight in being around each other. And sometimes that's hard to make happen, right? We might go on a date and the conversation is like really stilted because of the, we haven't been on a date in a while. And it's kind of weird, right? Because it's like we're, we're together all the time. But... Um, we're just not used to spending that kind of time together. And so it takes a little while for us to, to listen again, to actually look at each other, just to pause and look at each other, and to build up that connection. It just takes time. Now, now I say this to you as I'm in the context of this chapter, uh, church, we need to stop being roomies. Um, and we need to stop being roomies with each other. We need to stop being roomies with Jesus. And that might sound kind of weird, right, given the context of, you know, things I was just telling you about in marriage. And um, it might kind of sound like those Christian worship songs, you know, that sound like about Jesus or a girlfriend. You're not sure. But intimacy is intimacy. Closeness is closeness. Right? Closeness is closeness. And I, I talk about Alyssa um, because it's a safe place for me to talk about... Um, about relationships, but um, it really could be about any other relationship. This one has the biggest examples because it's my most important relationship. Um, and she knows me, and I know her more than anybody else. Um, but as close as I am with Alyssa, my life needs other people. Right? She is not enough for me. And that sounds bad sometimes. I mean, it might sound bad to the world, like, I love Alyssa, she's just not enough for me. But uh, it's the truth. She cannot carry the weight of all of my emotional needs. I got a lot of baggage. I got to spread it around, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, we all need a variety of friends to support each other, to help each other, um, to defend and encourage each other, to love each other, right? To love each other. Uh, this is Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands is not easily broken. Life, life can break you down, right? Even the strong of us, strongest of us, and I'm not saying I'm one of the strongest of us, I'm not, definitely not, but even the strongest of us will be broken down. Things will happen. And we need each other. And we need each other. We need these relationships. We need these friendships, knowledge, Prophecy, spiritual giftings. Those are all things for a community. But all of these will end. But when we invest in one another, 
we invest in eternity, right? When we give to one another, we invest in eternity. This, the, the spiritual community of the church is forever. It's the love that carries over. Everything else is of this world for this time. But the greatest of these is love. But the greatest of these is love. And ultimately, our love comes from God. It comes from Christ. First uh, John 4, starting at 19, we love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sisters. Church, uh, we, we need to stop being roommates with each other and learn how to be a family. And what's the difference? Well, roommates, how many of you have had a roommate that's not your spouse? Yeah. Roommates are kind of a contract, right? There's, there's an agreement, and if that's violated, you can dump them. It's okay to dump them. You can't dump your family. They're just your family. There's, there's a lot more you have to deal with. And boundaries. The boundaries are different, right? Roommates, a good roommate will give you broad boundaries because ultimately what you do does not matter to them as long as, you know, you keep up picking up after yourselves and don't bother them. But your families, what you do matters because they care about you. They want what's best for you. Your values, your values are different. Once again, roommates, as long as you're not messing with them, they probably couldn't care what values you have. As long as you leave their stuff alone and are a good roommate. But families, families share values. Oh, these are the things that are important to us, right? This is what's important to us, right? Our goals are different. Roommates might come together to achieve a goal, right? Like cleaning the house, like, okay, this house is a disaster. Let's get together and clean the house. You know, roommates might come together to do that, or they might come together to, uh, to buy something together, like a TV or a couch. Like, it's time. We've got to get rid of the futon and get a real couch. You know, they might come together and do that and chip in. But families, being together is the goal. It's not coming together to do something. It's just it's coming together to be together, right? Serving, so they might serve together, and they might... Uh, might worship together, they might play together, but the together is the goal. The together is the goal. Now, there's lots of different ways you become a family, right? Um, I, I was looking, I was looking up, like, okay, now how do you be a family? And, uh, and, and there were so many things. They were like, you know, you, you worship together, and there were things about, like, doing a family Bible study. Uh, there were things about family game nights, and making sure you have a common eating time and volunteering together and all these other things. And it was really good. All these things were good. But what it ultimately boiled down to is you need to give yourself time together. That's the ultimate thing that you got to do, right? To, to move past, like, just the roomy phase is you actually just need time. You need to invest time in one another. And time is something that's really hard to have nowadays. It's really hard to have time. 
Because, um, I mean, I can get a relationship fixed really quick by just you know, going on Facebook, you know? And like, okay, this is how this person's doing, this is how this person's doing. Okay, okay, but their life. That's not a relationship. Um, that's being a good neighbor, being a good roomie. We need to give ourselves some time together to learn how to develop our love. We need to give ourselves some time together um, just to feel comfortable, okay? So that we learn that it's safe to, to lower some of our defenses and some of the barriers that we put up. To let ourselves be vulnerable. That just takes time. That just takes time. It takes trust, but that trust is built through time. We need to give ourselves time to serve each other. Time to be served. Time to, which means sometimes letting somebody that's not the best at something do something for us because that's what they're doing and they're learning how to do it and that's what they have. We need to give ourselves time to be served. We need to give ourselves time to serve somebody. Okay, Make some space for us to, to give for ourselves to somebody else. We need to have time to love each other. Love is the greatest gift that we have. It's what lasts forever. Um, I often uh, say this at funerals, that um, everything else fades away. But the love that's shared, the love that you had for the person that was deceased or the person had for you, that has echoes throughout eternities. It affects us, it changes us, it shapes us, it transforms us. Because that's what love does. The greatest of these is love. It is the most excellent way. It's how we live. It's how we serve. It's how we, if you want to know how to do anything, you ask, like, what's the loving way to do it? How am I going to raise my kid? How am I going to teach them wrong from the right? Well, first of all, let's start with love. Where, how am I investing love in them? How am I going to show them? I tell this to parent to step parents all the time, like, because a lot of times there's like authority issues with being a step parent, and I always just say like, well, you really only have as much authority as you have love, right? Once they like can receive that love and know that you have that love, that authority kind of comes naturally out of that. You gotta you gotta invest that love. If we want to speak into each other's lives, we need to invest love in each other's lives. If you want to receive from each other, we have to invest in each other. We have to invest time. All right. It's the most excellent way. The most excellent way. Because if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Boy, that verse 5. That's always, that, that, that one always like, oh, ow. Um, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, not easily angered. I got a little bit of a temper. Keeps no records of wrongs. Ooh, that's hard. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. The greatest is love. Church, I wish for you a love-saturated life. I wish for you all the gifts, you know, and all the good things, but a love-saturated life is what I pray for you. Holy Father, we thank you for your gift. We thank you for your model of love that sacrifices of itself, that demonstrates that love is an action, it's an investment, it's an identification with, it's solidarity, it's advocacy, it's encouragement. Lord, teach us how to, re to receive your love. And Lord, teach us how to share your love and to participate in your love. In Christ's name, amen.